Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Hope you're doing good in Montgomeryville as well. Watching online, it's good to be with you too, man. It's, in, uh, it's been a good, a good four week. This is our fifth week sermon series. I've enjoyed this, this sermon series se- seasons. Like it's just been uh, to me, uh, it's been beneficial. I hope it's been beneficial to you. I told you in the very beginning, I said, I want to, I want to, I want to mature you as, as a church. I want you to be prepared for every season that's going to come your way as a Christian because you will face every season in your life. So we started in winter, you remember a few weeks ago, and then we went to spring. Spring's about starting something. Last week we talked about summer, which is success and how you handle success. And today I want to talk to you about what I think it could be one of the most difficult seasons in our life, the season of, of fall. And so uh, I told you last week, I said, we're going to do a pendulum swing. We're going to go to the really good season, and then we're going to go to probably the worst season uh, next week and talk about probably one of the most difficult moments uh, of our lives. And so you think about fall physically. What do you think about? Stuff's changing, right? You're, you're, at, you're on the top of the mountain, you're on vacation, you're, 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 you're enjoying the sun, you're, you're tan, you're, you're, you just think summer is just a fun time, and then fall happens, and I know we, we try to make fall exciting, right? Like, and so, if you, you ever notice, all the really cool holidays are in the fall, even Christmas kind of feels like fall still in Pennsylvania, you know, global warming, whatever you believe, I don't know what it is, and so, uh, but it doesn't feel as cold anymore, and so, and, and so you have, you have Halloween, and you have Thanksgiving, and you have Christmas, and it, it kind of feels like we're trying to hold on on to something there. Like we're, we're trying to make things, you know, something to celebrate. And some, you, you know, they invented pumpkin spice lattes for, for us. And so like, we just kind of keep it exciting and, you know, campfires and all those things. But the truth is fall kind of, it's kind of a tough season. Temperatures change, days get shorter, uh, um, leaves fall, stuff starts to die. Like you start to see the end uh, of a season that was really exciting. You start, it, it, it feels like you're starting to embrace for, for something. So fall represents those moments in your life where you will face loss and you will suffer and you will go through difficulty and you will have things kind of fall off and away from, from your life. If, if the summer is what I will call the mountaintop moments of your life, then, then the fall represents the valley. And I want to remind you in scripture, the Bible says that God is in and he is over every season of your life. It's really important to remember that. God is in and he is over every season of your life. In fact, I stumbled across this passage last week. I was going to use it in my message, but when I was preparing the day of, it just made sense more in this week. And so I left it for this week. And so if you're a type A person, you're looking at this, you're like, is this the notes from last week? No, I skipped it. And so we're going to go back to it. Now, 1 Kings 20 says, the man of God came and told the king of Israel, this is what the Lord says, because the Arminians think the Lord is the God of the hills and not the God of the valleys, I'm going to deliver this vast army into your hands and you will know that I'm the Lord. In other words, what the Arminians were saying is we can't beat them in the hills, but we can beat them in the valleys. And what God said is, I'm both the God of the, the mountaintop and I'm the God of, of, of the valleys. And here's a little disclaimer. This message is probably going to fall on some of you deaf ears. Like, we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't mind you. You are not going to the Super Bowl, right? You didn't play, right? 
you're just a fan, but you, you get to go, you get to watch, all that stuff. So you're like, this is great, don't rain on my parade, you know, talk, you can talk about it next week or whatever happens. Like, I don't really want to deal with this. So like, some of you are like, you know, no, man, I'm in a really good season, like, I'm really enjoying marriage, and, you know, you talked about summer, it was there, and I don't, I'm not really suffering, right? And here's what I want to, I want to do. I want to make sure you understand, um, you not being prepared for fall in your life because you're in the middle of summer would be like me burning all my winter clothes in the summer in Pennsylvania. Just because I get rid of the clothes doesn't mean winter's not coming. You would call me an idiot. You would say you're going to need that. And so what I want to do, I want you to keep those clothes in your walk-in closet and be prepared because here's the thing, 100% of us are going to go through suffering on this side of eternity. Uh, I want to, I know that is kind of, that's what I'm saying. It's like, right? And where do we go from there? A hundred percent of the people in this room listening to my voice on this planet, you're, you're going to go through suffering. Might not look like everybody else is suffering. Some of us are going to get diseases. Some of us are going to lose children in this place. Some of us, our parents, we're going to lose our parents. Some of us are, are, are going to lose jobs. Some of us are, are, are we're not going to live as long as we thought we would live. Some, we're, we're going to go through things. Like, we're going to experience things. I started thinking about it. I have this bucket with a little, just a little bit of water in it, just a little bit of water in it. And if I were to take the bucket and pick a section, right? So my mom and dad and my kids are over here, so I'm feeling called to this side, right? And so... And so, and I were just to take this bucket of water, if you're in Montgomeryville, and I were just to, just, just to throw it, right? Just throw this bucket of, of water on this section right here. Not everybody would get equally wet, but everybody would probably get a little bit. Are you tracking with me? Like if I were to just, there's no water in it, I'm just playing. But if I, I wouldn't do that to my mom and dad. And so if I were to, if, to do this, like, and so I'm just telling you, it's, life is like a flume ride. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been on a flume ride and you're like watching in line, you're like, hey, what seat do I sit in so I don't get wet? The fact that you're on, on a flume ride tells you you're going to get wet. If you don't want to get wet, go on the Hercules or some other roller coaster that's still, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, don't get on the flume ride. Listen, the fact that you're living on this side of eternity tells me that at some point in your life, you're going to go through some things. Some of you, your life has been a consistent thing. You were born into pain. You, you, were, you were adopted. You were abandoned. You were neglected. You were abused. You... You've been through some stuff. You, you've had loss. You had a parent die from a young age. You, you've gotten disease. Some of you have already had to go through the pain of losing a loved one. Like all of us in this room, we have different stories. But if we're honest with each other, we have all been through painful situations in our life. In fact, the Bible, it's really clear we're going to go through this. Like the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3, if you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you're going to get persecuted. You're going to go through some stuff. You're going to face some suffering. You're going to have some of those moments. And here's the problem. If you are not spiritually mature in this aspect and in this season, you'll begin to ask things like this. Ready for these? Here's questions that we ask when we don't have a good outlook on fall. Why does a good God let bad things happen to good people? Now, it's flawed because there's no such thing as good people. Right? It's just like we do that. We're the good people. Who says? Well, I'm better than Hitler. Right? Like you can find the worst person in the world. I'm better than them. Yeah, but in the sight of a holy God, the Bible says you're, that your best is filthy rags. Like you're broken. But we'll say, why does a good God, if God's so good, why is there so much suffering, right? If God's so good, 
Why is it any more fair to me? Why does it God do that? Why is there so much of this? In fact, they asked a bunch of people, both inside and outside the church, if you could ask God one question, one question, and get the answer to it, what would, what would it be? They said, they said, most people said, I would ask God why there's so much suffering. Why, why, if you're a good God, is there so much suffering? I've, I've been there, if I'm honest. I remember years ago, I'm not sure if I knew the people or if they were just a, uh, an acquaintance, but I saw their story on Facebook. They were a couple that had a baby, carried the baby to full term, and then the baby was born, and they didn't know the baby had a birth, a birth defect, and the baby only lived for eight hours and then died. So the pictures were of this, this family. They had planned for this, this kid, and they're at the hospital. They're holding this, this newborn baby that has now passed away. Now, if I'm, if I'm spiritually immature, I'm asking myself, God, there's 50 million aborted babies over the last 40 years in America. There's a bunch of unwanted babies, uh, and this baby's wanted. Why would you do that if you're a good God? I've had that moment many times, even as I'm thinking about this, this talking about fall, moments where I'm like, God, this stuff doesn't make sense. And I'm going to teach you something today. Uh, if you're spiritually immature as a follower of Christ, you're going to seek understanding. But what spiritually mature Christians get to, they get to the point of is they don't live their life so much seeking understanding. They live their life built on hope. There, there's a difference. There's going to be things that you go through on this side of eternity that you are never going to fully understand. And even if God explained it, you still wouldn't understand it. You're like the toddler that asks a million questions. God will explain it to you and try to give you the details, and then you'd ask another question and ask if you're there yet and all this stuff, and God's like, you don't fully un understand it. In fact, we know this from, from the Bible. Uh, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 13. He says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Someday we're going to know the whole story, he says. When I was a child, though, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. In other words, what is he saying? When you're spiritually immature, you just think life's going to be good all the time. Don't kids think, oh, just life is good. Life is fun. Life is, life is, you know, cherries on top of your cheesecake. Like, it's just, it's just good, right? But he says, when I, when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we only see a reflection as in the mirror. Then we shall, shall see face to face. Now I know in part... Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. He says, there's going to be things that we only know part of right now. So if you're seeking understanding, it's going to take pain and suffering are going to take you away from God because you're never going to fully logically understand his ways. The Bible says his ways are higher and better than our ways. So at some point, you got to build your life less on understanding and more on hope. In fact, uh, I love what Jesus says in John chapter 16. You know the reason I love Jesus is uh, he's not a fine print guy. You know what I'm talking about? You ever watch a commercial? It's like a, for some kind of medicine that's supposed to help you with something. Let's just throw it out, man. Let's diarrhea, right? Let's just throw that out there. Make sure you're awake. And you, you struggle from, you know, relentless diarrhea. And it'll be like have this special music playing online and... I, Something like that, right? And the music's like all, dun, 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 do you? And, and then this, 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 this thing comes up, and it's like, if you take this, you know, you have a 63% chance of being healed from, di you know, relentless diarrhea. And then at the end, it'll be like, and you also have a chance of developing chronic fatigue, backache, you know, this and that, and blah, 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 blah. But it like trails off as the music's going, and somebody's smiling. <laughs> and you're like, I don't think this is good, right? Like, I think... I think maybe we should have more of a conversation about this. Like, there should be some more trial with this, right? Like, and like, this is, like, it's not like Jesus was with, with Peter and he's like, yo, Peter, you know, like, we, 
I'm going to tell people how great life is going to be. When we get behind closed doors, I'm gonna, we're going to really talk about how bad it's going to be for them. Like Jesus is just really upfront. We're not. Like a lot of times I'll be like, you should follow Jesus, right? It'll be great, which a lot of people think. Like if I just follow God, it'll be good because all the time God is good and, and God is good all the time. But the problem is oftentimes we don't tell them that sometimes good don't feel great. Sometimes God's plans don't make sense. Sometimes God doesn't give you what you want because he's going to give you what you need instead. And sometimes what you need is not what you want. So we get this really immature belief of God is if God's good, it'll be good and it'll only be good. And if, you know, something's going wrong, I can just fix it and we can have a conversation and we can do all this stuff. But then there's Jesus. And Jesus tells him in John, in John chapter 16, he's getting ready to be done with this, his life on this earth. And he says, hey, uh, by the way, when I leave here, um, they're not going to like you very much because of your faith in me. He says, they're going to throw you out of the synagogues, which to us, we're like, okay, they're going to throw you out of your church. What is that? I'll go get brunch, right? Like, no big deal. But to the Jewish people, this was their life. Like, this, is, this, is, this was their community. This was their family. This was their, 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 their connection. This was their friendship. This was everything. So to tell a Jewish person you couldn't be in, in synagogue was more than just even a relationship with God. It was a relationship with, with each other. Like, you were going to be kicked out of the one place that you wanted to be for following me. They're going to behead you. They're going to imprison you. You're going to go through some stuff. And here's how Jesus kind of brings, brings them hope, though. He doesn't say maybe you will. He says, you definitely are going to go through some things. John 16, 33 says, I've told you these things so that in me, you highlight that, in me, in me, not in your situation, not in what you have, so that in, everybody say in, say me, in me, highlight that, so that in me, you may have peace, you may have hope. In this world, you will have, what does he say? trouble. You're going to go through some things, but take heart. I've overcome the world. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. If you want peace, you got to find it in me, not in your situation, not in what you're going through, not in what you've lost, not in what, who's abandoned you, not in any. You have to have peace or hope in me. So let me just give you four, four truths when you suffer. Maybe you're not suffering at all right now, but let me just be the bearer of bad news. It's coming for you. You will bleed. I know that's not like you're going to go, you're going to lose something in your life. You're going to go through hardship. It's going to happen. So here's, here's four things I want to remind you that I remind myself when I go through things. Number one is this, four truths I hope you know about bad things. Number one, I want you to remind yourself it's not God's idea. I need you to reconcile theologically truth. It's not God's, God will use it for his good, but suffering and pain and disease and sin and sorrow and brokenness and tears and death, they're not God's ideas. You go back to the very beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. He makes mankind, he makes the animals. It's all perfect. The Bible says in Genesis 1:31. here's how it describes it. It says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. It, it, was, it was very good. So what happens? Well, God created us to have a real relationship with him. Not a robotic one. So he didn't create us to go, okay, I'm going to make man. You know, it's not, it's not like he was in heaven playing dolls with us. 
You're going to work for me. You're going to do this. You're going to say this. You're going to go here. That's not a real relationship. That would be like me growing up to the age where it was time for me to get married and going to a store and buying a, a doll and programming the doll with my own voice to say, I love you and I want to you know, be with you and going home and be like, Mom, I'm going to marry this doll. Pulling the string and it's saying, I love you. And I'm saying, that's your voice. That's not love. Love has to be chosen. Love is found in something called free will. So what happened to the earth? Well, God created the earth perfect, but he gave humans free will because for love to be real, it must be chosen. I'm learning this as a parent. For you to have a real relationship with your kid, they're going to go through seasons of their life where they have to choose love. They have to choose relationship. You guys remember when you got old enough, when they're young, you want to go with, you want to hang out, you want to go to dinner, you want to go do this, you want to go get breakfast. What do little kids say? Yeah, let's do it. When they get older, it might be too early for them. They just sleep in, right? I'm just going to sleep in. You want to go to breakfast? No, I'm going to sleep in. And there's a portion of me that says, no, I'm going to make you go, right? You love me. I love you. You will be my kid, right? But there's another portion that says every teenager goes through this, where you have to develop a real relationship with them, and they have to choose that relationship. So good parenting, I've been informed by my wife, (laughs) is saying, well, okay, they don't have to come if they don't want to. Financial truth is I save 15 bucks when they don't come. So it's a win-win, right? And so... But what I'm hoping is that as we get older, they begin to, to value that time with their parent. We begin to have a real, not one where it's a father and a son, but it's more of a, of a relationship where it's not you have to be with me, but you want to be with me and I want to be with you. That's what real love looks like. So God gave mankind the option, right? Free will. And what do they do? They messed everything up. They, they, they rebelled against God. They chose themselves. And what happened is when free will was introduced into the world and we chose ourselves and not God, sin entered the world, brokenness. So when you look around, you, you, you are looking at a broke world, a world that is filled with pain. What, what you see in this world is evil everywhere. Uh, I, I've noticed there's really two different types of evil that you'll experience as a person. First one is moral evil. Hatred. That's why I always laugh. And they're like, we got to get rid of this. And we got to legislate this. And we got to do this. And, you know, we got to get rid of this. And we got to do this. And if we do this, people will stop killing each other. And I'm like, bro, go back to Genesis, the beginning of the Bible. Cain killed Abel with a rock. Like, it's, you can't legislate love, right? We are broken people. We come out full, filled with hate. We come out competitive. We, we come out wanting to hurt other people. That is the way that we're wired because of the sin inside of us. You see it all over the earth. I love when people be like, you know, God, if God was so good, why are people starving in the world? Like, if God was so good, if he was so moral, why don't they, he feed all these people to which it's been proven there's enough food in the world to feed every person an average of 3,000 calories a day, every person. You know what the problem is? Us. We consume, we consume, we throw out. We don't think about anybody else but ourselves. So we're going, hey, God, God, where's the enemy? We look in the mirror. The enemy is us. So you experience moral evil. You experience hatred. You experience discord. And then you experience natural evil, which is as a result of moral evil. The Bible says in Romans that the, that the creation is groaning. It's broken. So you see earthquakes and you see, you, 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 you see tsunamis and you, you, you see hurricanes and you see natural disasters and you see things broken and you see chaos and you wonder where God's at in the middle of it. And the answer, answer is this place is broken. This place is messed up. This was never God's idea. This was never the way that it was supposed to be. 
Some people say, well, why did God create that then? Why did he make the earth? If he knew all this was going to happen, why did he make the earth? Well, because he knew that the opportunity for real love was also going to be. I mean, think about it. You ever meet somebody like, I'm never having a baby. This world is so broken. That's a real statement. Like sometimes you think, I don't want to bring a kid into this world. But the parents who do choose to bring the kid in the world, they realize, yes, there's an opportunity for their kid to suffer and their kid to go through really painful things. But there's also this opportunity to bring this child into the world and for you to experience deep, emotional, uh, connected love with somebody else. So you weigh out the options and you say, man, that might happen, but there's also this opportunity. I think God was the same way. Like, of course, this could happen if I give him free will, but there's also this opportunity to be in a real relationship with my creation. The reason this is important is because when you look at God, if you don't see brokenness in the world and instead you you, you see a God who's unfair, what you're going to do is you're going to go, man, he's out to get me. He's out to harm me. Let me just give you another thought of, of it not being his idea. Kind of piggyback on this one. Um, because some of you have been through some stuff. And I don't know if you ever read the book of Job. But you have friends um, inside the church who try to tell you if you would just stop doing stuff, bad stuff will stop happening to you. I don't know if you ever read the book of Job. But Job goes, I don't have time to kind of talk about the whole book. But he has a good life and God allows him to go through pain. Satan says to, to God, like, hey, the only reason Job loves you is because he has good things. And so I bet if you took all those things away from him, he would turn his back on you. And so he goes through that season in his life where he loses everything. And sometimes when you're losing everything, the worst part is relationships you have with people. And so his friends come around like, what'd you do wrong, Job? What'd you do? Like, what, what'd, what'd you do wrong? Which some of you believe that. Like, I must have done something wrong. Like, my life is so messed up that God must be out to get me. And so here's what I want to remind you. Not only is it not God's idea, but it's not God's judgment on you. This, one, this one's important. This is when all the Christian kookies come out of the, out of the, out of the, out of the, out of the woodwork. You know what I'm talking about? Like a couple years ago, Haiti had, a, had an earthquake, remember? A big earthquake. Lots of people died. Uh, and, you know, in America, we just make assumptions. Your Christians will be like, well, God's judging Haiti. And I'm like, God's judging Haiti, all of Haiti, right? And you're, you're American. We're speaking of the, one of the most racist countries in the history of the world. And you're, you're, God's judging them, right? Like God, God's out to get them. Like everybody there is evil because it's Haiti, right? And like, and, or, or I remember when the New Orleans, when the, when the, when the, the, the hurricane came and it flooded. I, I, God, 2005, God's judging them. The most evil city in, in the world. As if there's no believers in that entire, God's, God's judging them. And I just want to remind you that every time you go through something, it doesn't necessarily mean God's out to get you and judge you. There's going to be times in your life Listen, where you're doing everything right and stuff's still falling apart. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, hey, God, I'm going to do this. You want me to do this? You want me to go there? You want me to start this church? You want me to, okay, God. And then you start it and everything's like, right? It just that doesn't work. Goes to crap, right? And you're just like, and then if you're not spiritually mature, you're going, okay, well, God, what do I got to do better? Should I pray more? Should I, you know, lift my leg up like this and get out of this? And how can I move this ball along quicker? And how can I do this? And what I found is there's just seasons where God has you in moments that are really difficult. There's seasons you're not going to understand. There's seasons where it's difficult where you just can't force your way through. I tried. Speed, let me ask, how can I speed this up, God? And God goes, we got a lot to learn in this season. 
And I just want to remind you, it's not God's judgment in, in, in your life. God, God is good. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 5, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. I, this part is so interesting. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God, God's better to us than he should be. He, he's not something like, I just want to be fair. You don't want him to be fair to you. If he was fair to you, you would not be here today. God sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Good things happen in our lives and bad things happen in our lives. We're on the mountaintops and we're in the valleys. It's not God's judgment. I don't know if you've ever done this as a parent, but being harsh and judging and disciplining your kids very rarely brings them closer to you. It's a part of life, disciplining for sure. You know what brings your kids really close to you? Grace. Grace. The, the, the grace that you give your kids when they mess up grace. I'm not really good at it. But I've been reminded by, by God many times. It's not his judgment. It's not him telling me that I'm wrong. It's not him taking me into suffering because of the mistakes that I've made. It's his ridiculous grace with me that leads me to repentance. It's his kindness, the Bible says. It's not God's judgment. I want to remind you of two more things. Number three is this. is uh, Whatever season you're in right now, it's not over. So I'm like, oh, great, it's not over, right? That's encouraging. Here's, here's what I mean. It's not done. Story's not written. It's not complete. Right? You ever read a book? You're like three pages in, you put it down, you're like, this book sucks. You're in the forward, dude. <laughs> He's still thanking his family. You put the book down, you never even got to the real part. Like, you got to keep going. I've done, I've done devotions like that. Like, my wife, one of her favorite devotions is, Lord, heal my hurts. I'll do, Lord, heal my hurts. I'll make it like three pages, four pages, five pages, six pages in. I'm like, this thing's, she's like, you got to finish it. And I'm like, can you do it for me? Can you just finish it and tell me? Give me the, give me the you know, subtitles. And I'm just telling you, there's people that you're in the middle of something and you're ready to give up and you're ready to quit and you're ready to bail and, and, and you're ready to turn your back on God and, and, and you're tired and you don't know what to do. And I just want to remind you, it's not over. It'd be like 2023 starting and uh, first day of 2023 is awful. I'm talking awful. Portfolio crashes in the stock market, even worse, right? Uh, uh, you get sick, your kid lo loses something at school, like your wife is just miserable that day, like everything's falling, falling apart, something breaks in your house, like everything, you go to get your car inspected, it's way more money than you thought it was going to be, like literally everything goes wrong, a and then the year goes on, and it starts to pick up, and it starts to be good, and stuff starts to happen, and you know, good things start to transpire, and God brings meaning from the, that, the suffering, and somebody sees you at the end of the year. And they're like, hey, how was your year? You're like, incredible. It was awesome. I'm like, yeah, but didn't, didn't that first day, wasn't that so bad? Didn't you have all that stuff? Yeah, but that wasn't the end. That, that, was, that was just a day. Like, that was just a moment. Like, I had to keep walking out the story. And I just want to remind you, it, it's not over. It's not over. God never leaves or forsakes. God brings good from the worst moments of our life. God teaches us things that we wouldn't know how to do in the hardest moments of our lives. God brings things out of our lives in the moments where it feels like we're being pressured the most. It is not over. Encourage yourself. It's not over in my life. And let me just tell you something like, well, sometimes it is over. You're right. But even, even when it ends on this side of eternity in death or loss or suffering, I want to remind you, 
that we serve the God that's in control of forever. We serve a God. And I want to, listen, not only is it not over, but at the end of everything, it ends well. It ends well. You know, I, it's preaching on fall, you know, thinking about your life, all that stuff. And it's weird because you're going, like you go through life, ups and downs, whatever. And uh, just yesterday, I got a text from my dad said, hey, uh, your last living grandparent, your Grammy, which is such an OG name. Like if you call yourself Grammy, that's to me like, that's just baller, right? And so like, but she, she said, he said, Gr- Grammy had a, had a stroke. She's 89 years old and uh, we don't really know what, what, what's next. She can't swallow. Like she's in a hospital room. She's squeezing, but she can't, she can't talk. And, and uh, sometimes aren't you just like, okay, why God today? Can we do it summer? Can we do it after the Eagles win the Super Bowl? Can we like, do it in an easier moment? Maybe not on a Saturday before I'm going to talk about fall and be all emotional. And uh, it's in that moment I have to remind myself of a few truths. My Grammy, she's, 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 she's old. It's not, like a, it's not like a secret. You're 89 years old. That's, 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 that's living long years. And uh, no matter what, death, that's just not right. The Bible says that it's our enemy. So if she, if, she, if she passes, if she's healed, whatever, like eventually she's, she's, she's going to be taken from this earth. And, and I, I'm personally, like I'm going to be reminded, you have no earthly grandparents living. And so now you're just getting old and your parents are getting old and everybody's just getting old. So I got to remind myself in that moment, whatever happens to her, let me picture what's to come on the other side. And so I... I know that we do this a lot, even in our world, because we have no answer for death. Like, we, if you think about that, like, we have all this knowledge, yet we still don't have answers for what happens next. It's terrifying. But I have this faith in Christ, this, this hope, that at the end, everything is going to work out well, because I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel says that Jesus came to pay the price for my sin, to forgive me, uh, because the wages of my, my sin was death and hell. So forever after I step from this planet, if I don't know Christ, if I don't have his grace, then I'm going to spend eternity in a place of sorrow and suffering. But because I put my faith in the finished atoning work of Jesus Christ, that when I take my next breath after this earth, no matter how I get there, no matter if I'm struggling to breathe through disease or I die in my sleep or I get hit by a car or whatever else could possibly happen to end my life, that my next breath is promised to be with Jesus Christ. And I don't have to believe, I'm going to go to a better place. That is a garbage thing that people who do funerals say because they're getting paid. I'm not going to a better place. I'm going to a place that's been prepared for, for, for me by Jesus Christ. The Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who have been called according to him. And I know my Grammy knows that. And I know uh, that her husband of many years, that they had eight kids together, which is so fitting for Grammy. Like just think about that life. His name was Pappy. Her name was Grammy. Like they just had eight kids. Like he, he, he went on to be with the Lord a few years ago, and he had that faith. In fact, I'm reminded of, uh, of, of how he passed, and so this isn't preacher talk. This is true. But they said on the, the last night of, of his life that he was telling Jesus, I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to come home. I'm, I'm, t- I'm tired of being in this earth. I want to be with you. And so Grammy's, Grammy at some point is going to pass from death to life. 
uh, and she's going to step into the presence of Jesus, and she's going to see Jesus, and then maybe around the corner, she's going to see Pappy, but he's going to be like 35 years old and stud, studded up, you know what I'm saying? In the years they were making the bait, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And then what's even cooler is she's, she's had a few, a few, a few uh, kids that have now passed on. She had a, 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 a daughter named Kathy who passed this, this, this last year. Um, she had a, she had a, a son named uh, Harold. She had a son named Terry. Uh, Terry passed away when I was just a young boy. It was the first loved one I ever, that I ever remember losing. He died from brain cancer. And so they haven't seen each other since, since for years. Could you imagine that reunion as she steps into eternity and she gets what's promised to her because of Jesus Christ and she sees her kids again? Maybe the problem is us. Maybe the problem is that we put our hope too much in broken things. Put your hope too much in the temporary, and then you expect it to perform. And when it runs out of the batteries, you're like, well, these batteries stink. You're shaking it. But maybe the problem is that you put your hope in something that cannot last. So what do you tell yourself when you're going through things? It's not over. But even if it does end here, that it's going to turn out well. The Bible says in Revelation 21 that someday God's going to put things back together. There's going to be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more disease. We're going to be with Jesus forevermore. Like we have, we have a place prepared for us. That, that's where you stand, in the middle of difficult times. They're going to come. And sometimes you're not going to be able to wade your way or get your way out of it. Sometimes you're just going to have to sit in it. And here's what I know. When you go through pain, it can either make you really bitter or it can take you closer to the Lord. Some of the most painful moments of my life have been some of the richest moments I've ever had with the Lord because it's in those moments that I realize that I need Jesus Christ. And I sit at the foot of his cross and I praise him. That's why we sang the song, that new song, Gratitude, today. It's just been ringing true in my heart. It's been speaking to me that I just want to give God the praise. I just want to tell him how grateful that I am. Whether I'm in the best season or the worst season or somewhere in the middle, my job is to praise him. My job is to keep pointing my affections and my attentions to him because he has it all under control. What do you do? You remind yourself, it's not, God's not against me. He's for me. It's not against me. It turns out well. It's going to be okay. It's not over yet. I'm going to trust God in this. Would you stand to your feet all over our houses and would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? And maybe this is a completely uh, irrelevant, over the head message for you. Like you, you don't even, you don't even want to talk about this right now. Like it's going good. It's finally going good. You got, you met the person of your dreams. You had the kid finally. Like stuff is going well. Maybe this is a really um, hard message for you to even pay attention to you because you don't need it right now. I, let me, you will eventually. You will. You're going to go through loss. You're going to go through suffering. You're going to go through pain. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through letdown. You're going to be abandoned. You're going to have to let go of things in your life that you thought were so prominent and important. You will suffer. You will bleed. That's just what the Bible says. That's not me being a prophet and predicting pain. That's just, that's just truth. So what do you do in those moments? You lean into the truth of God's word. You do that maybe in moments like this when you ask the spirit of the living God to, to do a work to mature you in this area. 
God, that I don't want to be up and down, back and forth, you know, being knocked to and from by everything that comes my way, but I want my feet to be planted firmly on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. That there's some people who build their life on the sand. It's faulty. It's weak. It cannot establish you and hold you. And when the storms of life come, you're destroyed. But others of us, knowing those storms are coming, build our life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. When life gets hard, when it gets difficult, when it gets overwhelming, when it'd be easier to run, that we are firmly planted, firmly situated, firmly standing on that solid foundation. That foundation can stand the test of time. It can last. It can persevere. It can push forward. I love what Paul says and as I end this. He says, uh, he says, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away. He got that. He was beat. He says, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For my light and momentary troubles are achieving for me an eternal glory that far outlasts them all. So I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. Because what I look at is temporary, but he's eternal. He's forever. So maybe some of you, if you're honest, you just carry around all sorts of anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, stress. You, you, you're overwhelmed by your situation. And the truth is you've been looking with the wrong spiritual eyes. You've been facing it yourself. You've been confused by what you're going through. You've assumed God is out to get you, that he is far from you, that he is judging you, that he is angry with you. But maybe quite honestly, the truth is that all of those emotions are a revealer that you were created with the need to have a relationship with the one that created you. That you are not equipped to handle life on your own. That you and me, that the only way we can make it through this life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's here right now. Like he... My favorite part of church is that I know that when we lift up the name of Jesus and we sing out his praises, the Bible says that his presence is drawn into this place. And when his presence shows up, the ability for people's lives to be changed forever is there. You can't change yourself. You can't fix yourself. I know there's a lot out there about making yourself better, but you can't go back and get healed from your past. You can't disprove the lies somebody has spoken over you. It's hard to get rid of bitterness. It's hard to forgive. Those things are not of this world. That strength and that freedom is only found in Jesus Christ. And he's here. The Bible says is that all, all of us sin and we fall short of the glory of God and the wages of our sin is death and hell. Goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For anyone who calls on him shall be saved. Here's what you do. You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Jesus, I need a relationship with you. I'm going to put my faith, my trust, and my hope in you. I can't do this on my own anymore. It's a prayer of humility. Jesus Christ, would you come into my life? Would you heal me? Would you make me whole? Would you forgive me? And would you set me free? Maybe you've never been to church before in your life, or maybe you've been to church for years, and you've walked away from the truth, and you would say, you know what? That's what's missing in my life. I'm not following Jesus Christ. I'm trying to do it on my own. 
Some of you have allowed pain to dominate and dictate your life. And if you're honest, you're living a bitter, resent-filled life. Satan loves it. He loves to watch you struggle. He loves to watch you be angry. He, he, he loves to watch you be isolated. He loves to watch you in prison and alone. There's freedom here in Jesus Christ, though. There's freedom. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So maybe as you're here and you say, you know what? I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. My feet are not settled on the solid rock. My life has been shaken. I don't know what else to do. And so today I'm going to give up control of who I am. And I'm going to choose to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to take that gift of salvation. If that's you all over our houses and you say, hey, that's me. I don't know Christ but I need to. I want to pray with you as we close. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't want you to worry about the person to your right or left. It's just you. Just you and God. Just you and God. I need Jesus Christ right now in my life. I can't, I can't live one more day without him. I can feel him drawing me, knocking at the door of my heart. All those things. And today I need to say yes to Jesus Christ. If I've been talking and as I've been talking, you know the Lord is speaking directly to you. And you know this is your moment. Jesus Christ is going to be my Lord and my Savior. I want you to do one thing. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to know that we're praying with you as we close. And so if you need to know Christ, if you need Jesus in your life right now, would you just put your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, pastor, that's me. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. I see hand here, hand here. Is there anybody else? Another hand back here. Another hand right here. Hand up in the bleachers. Is there anybody else who would say, hey, pastor, that's me? Come on, you're clapping like the 8 o'clock service. This is the 9.30 service. Anybody else? If you're in Montgomeryville, would you just keep your hand held high? Maybe if you're watching online and, and the spirit of the living God is speaking to you, you would just type in the chat right there. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I just want to pray with you all over this house. The Bible says that we confess with our mouth. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so would you pray something like this? Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for this day. Jesus, I believe in you. I've tried to do life on my own. But today, Jesus, I give up control. I'm going to follow you from this day forward. Jesus, thank you right now that I'm receiving your love, your forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy. Jesus, by faith, Today, I'm a brand new person. In Jesus' name we pray. All over this house, shout amen together. Amen. amen. Let's clap together. Hey, do me a favor. Somebody in Montgomeryville responded. Sometimes I don't know, but today I know. Let's make some noise. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.